Okay, let's go. Um, we have this week and next week. Um, um, did you warn them for visitors? We, we like harass them and ask them hard Greek questions. And okay, okay. <laughs> we, um, I will always review just a little bit. So the whole purpose of this class was to <clears throat> look at Paul's response to the Corinthians and, and they, they must have asked him about how crazy their, their church services were and tongues and prophets and just cra crazy, uncontrolled, unbiblical things went on. Not in the way you might think unbiblical, but just... And so he says, now, concerning things of the Spirit, and most translations say spiritual gifts, and then confusion starts after that. But concerning things of the Spirit or the structure of the spirit world, I don't want you to be ignorant. There is a, and he uses this word, a platonic analysis, diiresis analysis of gifts, of charisma gifts, but one spirit. There is a analysis you can do, and of course, Paul being the geek of geeks did these analyses of ministries, but one Jesus. There is a analysis you can do of the outcome, the effects, the energema, the energizings, and the same father, who works all things in every one. On the other hand, each of you, the thing you asked about, is given the manifestation, never called gifts. I have lots of Pentecostals who are mad at me about this, but the phanerosis, the, the, the visible manifestations of the spirit for the common good, the spirit diarises these as the spirit desires, okay? And so Paul has broken up the spirit structure into four parts. And so, so you didn't have to read all those words every week. I, just, I brought it up back this week because we're shifting gears now to the part about the Father. And so where we are today is, and we're, we're just going to spend one day on the Father and one day on manifestations of the Spirit. Um, and so today is Father's Day, um, God the Father's Day. And so, um, and, and uh, you two can't cheat there, Jeannie, Gary, you can't cheat on this question. But first, I want to ask you an important question, a very, very important question. And uh, I will not embarrass anybody by asking you for the answers, but close your eyes for just a moment, okay? And just get still for just a moment. And when I say the phrase, keep your eyes closed. When I say the phrase, God the Father, what thought, picture, or feeling immediately comes to mind without going Bible on me? Just what thought comes to mind? Your heart picture, your emotional picture. I say, God the Father. Okay, open your eyes. If you think too hard, you start. So I'm not going to ask anybody what your picture was, uh, unless you wanted to share it. But what I will say is that we have done this, how many hundreds of people have we done this with? Thousand, maybe a couple thousand people by now in our ministry called Freedom Prayer. And guess what the most common picture was? The most common picture when you ask people to, to close their eyes and you say, God the Father, <clears throat> that was the most common picture. Um, and so, hey, 
So the most common picture is when, when you say God the Father is either, well, I see kind of a, kind of a white-haired guy off in the clouds and, and I'm pretty distant and you ask, well, what does he look like? And he's, he, he's like powerful and you say, you know, is he cuddly? You know, and they're go no, that would never describe God the Father ever, not on a good day. Um, or <clears throat> um, Abraham Lincoln. And you think, he's really good, but, and in your picture, let me ask this question, where were you in that picture? Okay? In other words, that's the picture you have of God. Now ask, where were you? And most would say, down below, maybe far away, maybe in a crowd, maybe I wasn't even in the picture. And so you ask yourself the question, why? Why is that the most common picture? And where did that come from? And is it true? Is it a true picture? And so we're going to talk today a little bit about what God says the picture of God is and compare that to our own picture. And honestly, if I don't start crying, dang it, if I had to say what is the most important picture an answer I've ever gotten in my Christian walk, it would be this right here. Because when I realized who God the Father really is, everything changed. Everything changed. Most of us have a picture of God the Father that in some way reflects our earthly dad and the relationship we had. Mine was not great. So, so you, you, we, we get a picture of God the Father from earthly dad. We get a picture of Jesus from, from our friends and cousins and, and, and sibs picture of Holy Spirit often comes from our picture of mom. There's just this weird sort of a triune thing that goes on. Okay, so we're going to uh, pick up our geek analysis. And so we mem remember Paul is doing a pneumaticos analysis and there are four things. We've already gone through these and we've looked at um, Paul's diairesis analysis. And, and that diairesis analysis is I look at a subject, I look at it 360 degrees, end-to-end, -end, horizon to horizon, look at everything in that subject, break it into categories, analyze each category, and come up with truth. In fact, I just found a quote yesterday where Plato himself said, people who don't know how to do this tend to lump everything together and there's confusion, which is what happened with gifts. If you look at gifts, there are 35 different definitions of spiritual gifts. That is not God's plan, I can tell you for a fact. Okay, so the question then is, is what are these, the, what is the energema, what does that look like, and how might Paul define the Father's input? Um, when you look at where he might have talked about it, there's only one spot. He is giving a list at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, and he says, <clears throat> now you are Christ's body individually. In the church, there are apostles, but when he starts, and, and the things he are, is naming is phanerosis, diconia, no charisma. There's not a charisma gift in that list because he's talking about in the church, not inside of you. Charisma gifts are inside of you. But in the church, there's manifestation of the Spirit, there's the equippers, the, the diconi, the ministries, and there is the Father. And so the two things he says that are nowhere else in Scripture except right here are those two words, enabling and steering. And if you look at those two and you say, what, 
if I had to say, what was the father's role in my life or in the lives of people around me, you go, that's it, those two things. The father enables things to happen and he steers you into the right path. Complete resourcing, complete guidance, complete dad doesn't want to get, it's like a good dad, you know, puts a, puts a check in the college uh, bag that your son's going off to college and you put a check and a note in there and it's like, this would take you through the first month. You know, you say, whoa, dad, you know, stuff like that. And that's good dads don't like to get glory. They just like to get love. They just like connection. And that's, and that's the father enabling. And each of these words, if you look them up and do research on them, have this sense of an authority that is doing this. Um, the word steering means the piloting or governing of a ship, okay? This enabling means laying hold of something and bringing grace to bear to make it possible for something to happen. In other words, there's this, there's this immense authority that is used gently and behind the scenes. And you go, perfect. It, it, there couldn't be a better definition of what God the Father does. And as I've, as I've studied this now for a lot of months, because I've got a book coming out in a few months, um, in 50 verses, I couldn't find any that didn't fall under these categories. And I thought, okay, that is a, that is a perfect definition then <coughs> of uh, that level of the diuresis analysis enabling and steering. So let's think about God the Father as enabling and steering. So the question we always got to ask then is, well, what does that actually look like? You know, in, in our lives, what does enabling and steering look like? And what does it look like in Scripture? So let's look at that. So, so here's, a, here's a couple of verses, and I want you to just think about these for just a second. This one and this one. What do those verses say to you, and what do they have in common? What do they say? What correction do they make to us? Any thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that word is Papa, right? It, it's, it's, it's our, the English word would be Papa or Daddy. And it says, you didn't receive a spirit of slavery. You, you didn't receive a spirit of fear. In other words, when you were born again, the Holy Spirit came into you, and the Holy Spirit didn't say, you better, you better be good. You better be holy, for I am holy. You know, it, you better fall on your face when you come near me. No, if the Holy Spirit cries out one non-religious thing inside of us above everything else the Holy Spirit says, and it's so important, Paul said it twice to two different churches. He cries out, Daddy. So, if you say, if you ask yourself, what is the one thing Yahweh, Yahweh, you know, the, the creator of all things who sits outside of the universe and looks down, it says he looks down on the stars and calls them all by name. I mean, there's billions and billions and hundreds of billions of stars and he looks down on them. He has to, he has to, oh, cute little stars. You know, maybe the whole universe is just a shaky thing on his desk. You know, I mean, he is that big. <laughs> He's amazingly big. And yet, he says this to us. I know I'm all those things, but I want you to call me Pops. 
I want you to call me daddy. Is that sort of mind-blowing? I mean, especially when we think, so I was raised Catholic, and it was like penance and purgatory and hell, and you better be good, and there's no way you can be good enough, and you better go to confession, you know, once a week. I love confession. <laughs> you know, it's like, wish we had it, had it in all churches, you know, where there is a formal way to uh, confession. Oh, there is, called freedom prayer. Okay, so anyway, sorry, that was a setup. But, so the first point I want to make is that the one, if, if you had to boil down New Testament God, the Father, start with Abba. Don't start with how, how immense and how, we, we know that. But the Holy Spirit, first of all, cries out, call him Abba. Come. So when we look into scripture with that in mind, we start to see it everywhere in the New Testament, particularly. So here's one. <clears throat> what does that say to you? Let's say you want to have an appointment with God the Father and you're going to come into his throne room. <clears throat> what does that look like for you to go to Father directly face to face? What does that feel like to you, look like? What does come boldly mean? If you come boldly into the governor's office, you go, no, none of us would ever, uh, Bill and I are good friends, so I can, we, you know, I can walk in and say, hey, I, I never have and never will, but, um, but this says you don't have to knock. Can you imagine yourself, let's say the father's in, in his office, big, fancy, corporate office, and you want to go see him. What does this say you can do? Walk right in. You think he'll be mad? Think he'll feel like you're bothering him? How would you, just close your eyes and just vision that and just see what it feels like to you. Just kind of close your eyes and I'll read it very, very slowly to you. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we can obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Some of you are smiling really big right now because it's like, wow. You can actually connect with the Father and ask him this question. Father, what does that look like? What do I believe that's contrary to this? This is the word of God. This, this is what he says to do. This is whoever wrote Hebrews. We're not sure exactly, but whoever wrote it had a good relationship with God the Father. Here's another one. What does that look like? Draw near to God. and he, what, is, what is the Father doing when you're trying to draw near to him? What does that say he's doing? Uh, not now. Can't you see I'm busy? Uh, I'm, it's, it's a long way to, to the throne room. You've got to go down a really long aisle and a really... No, it says... He'll, draw, he'll, he, he'll come running. Remember um, um, the prodigal son. He saw him coming, what, a long way off and ran to meet him. 
and covered his sin. Robe, ring, sandals. Long. That's the Father with us. He runs to meet us. It's like, wow, that's, that's a different. He's easy to draw near to. Call him pops. Call him any familiar word. God Almighty Lord. And I'm sure God the Father goes, oh, are you talking to me? It's like, no, no, pops, call me. Abba. What, what's, your, what's your tenderest name for me, my son whom I love? See, and it's like, oh my gosh. I can be that familiar with God? Yes, preferably. That's why Jesus died. Jesus said, I came to show you the Father, the real Father. <clears throat> How about this one? You can ask for what you need. According to his riches and glory. So he's like, oh, this might bankrupt me. It'll put you through college. No. Not just the cattle on a thousand hills, but the hills. You know, it's like, and the golden hills. You know, crazy this day. This is Jesus talking. And we always. Isn't that great? He says, you don't have to say, now look, I, I, I'm, Jesus is here. You know, Jesus, will you walk with me so I don't get zapped? You know, it's like, no, 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 go. No, the door is open. <clears throat> you are adopted. You might not feel adopted. You might think you're not worthy to be adopted, which would be correct, but we're adopted. We're, we're sons. He has made an eternal commitment to us while we were yet sinners. <clears throat> okay, look at these three verses and see what they each say. He predestined us, what I just said, to adoption as sons through Christ. So I'm predestined to be adopted as a son. Those he foreknow, he, he predestined to be conformed to him, his, the image of his son. Not only am I predestined to be a son, I'm predestined to be like Jesus. Guaranteed, you are going to look like my son. May take a while. That's why we have eternity. Don't worry. You are predestined to be like my son. Look at this one. <clears throat> we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes who works all things. An inheritance. Look at these promises from the Father. Before you made one step, one commitment, before you were born, you were predestined to be with him, like him, and sharing his stuff. That, that's really good. <laughs> you know, that, that, that is the good news we ought to be preaching. You know, you're going to be with, I, I don't care how much of a mess up you think you are, how much you fall short. <clears throat> He's got a lot of time. And most of your falling short is going to fall off of you when you die. It's, Paul called it the sin man. Why do I do the things I don't want to do? Because I'm not the one doing it, but sin that dwells in me does it. Oh, these promises are just beyond good promises. So if you get that, everything I've shared this morning, and you get this inside of you, 
Abba, Daddy, is like the most attractive guy ever. It's like, wow. Wow. <clears throat> um, so when we read through the book of Acts, for example, <clears throat> and Paul's commentary, we begin then to see the Father in our lives, that Father who we can go into the throne room, pray to all that, that guy, we begin to see him steering and enabling. So here we go. Here's, here's Philip. And here's God the Father going, there's an Ethiopian eunuch who is searching for me. Nobody close by. Philip, who knows how many thousand miles he went. He went a long way, pops out, you know, and looks around. And I'm sure the father goes, you're my boy. And he sees the Ethiopian eunuch and goes, this must be what the father had in mind. He doesn't go, I was just transported. This is science fiction. He, he just hops up with the eunuch, sees what he's reading. The eunuch then traditionally began the church in North Africa and it spread all across Africa because of this encounter. Why? Because the father saw the need and filled it miraculously. Here's another one. I planted, Apollos watered, but guess who caused the growth? God causes the growth. That's, that's the energema of God, the energizing that's causing people to grow. Each of us, if you think about it, and you look back, you, you could tell a, a, a bunch of Father God stories. They look like coincidences. They look like favor. They look like a family connection. They, they look like right place, right time. They look like feeling forgiven. They look like a lot of things. And the Father doesn't need credit, but he loves it when you recognize him. And this is Paul saying, I worked my butt off and so did Apollos, but we, we know we didn't do this. There's a lot of preachers I wish knew this, <laughs> you know, some TV preachers. I wish they knew this. Maybe they do. <clears throat> Here's the book of Acts. They began to see what the Father was doing through the Holy Spirit and just, you know, it's like sometimes we get, a, I don't know who did it, Spirit of the Father, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> and he says they were feeling a sense of awe. Here's another story. Um, <clears throat> Here's, remember Paul's being shipwrecked on Malta? So there's a storm, and Paul, who's praying, goes, we're all going to be okay, and they basically say, shut up, right? <laughs> shut up. They get washed ashore on Malta. <clears throat> a snake bites Paul's wrist. They're going, yeah, the preacher boy's going to die now, and he shakes it off into the fire, and no effects, and they're like, and you know, Satan tried to kill Paul before he could go to Malta. And God said, nice try, snake. The king is sick, coincidentally. Paul heals him and the whole island gets saved. Then they go on. You know, he goes on to go be a prisoner. You know, it's like, and you go, God the Father. <clears throat> um, crazy good stuff. Um, so this is what we're going to do for the rest of the time. I have um, four verses. And so let's divide this group into two groups, front and back, this group into two groups, front and back. And um, this is going to be group one. So you, you've got Romans 8, 28, and I'll put them up there. And I'll, I'll give you the questions just to talk amongst yourselves. Group two, you're going to be a Matthew 6, 31 through 33. Group three up front here, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, my favorite verse about God the Father. And 1 John 1, 9 in back. So go ahead and get together got your verses you know which, which one you got and these are the questions and I just you're gonna you're gonna get about 
five to seven minutes and then pick one person to present in one minute what you came up with. Okay, so go ahead and get together now. Um, what is the life topic covered here? What is God's promise? What is my role or my responsibility? And have you seen this in your own life? Okay, so go ahead and, and gather together and chit chat and uh, pick, a, pick a person. Ready, go. Okay, who's group one? You guys. Okay, who's a spokesperson? Okay, great. Um, so here's, look at, um, look at their verse, and then should I pop the questions back up again? Okay, so here's the questions. Ready to go. Okay. Uh, we struggle with question one about what are life, life topics, maybe you missed your, uh, your explanation, but I, the verse is talking about how, how, how does it work, how does God engage in our lives as we do? Yeah. Um, what, what does that look like? And, and the promise number two kind of helps answer that, that it's, there's a confidence that we have about uh, he's got our good in mind. And not only does he have our good in mind, he's, he's acting on it. There's some active yeah. work on, on his end. What are we called to do? What's my role and responsibility? Uh, there's two things that pop out, at least to me, in our conversation. He works for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And so uh, there's, a, there's a reciprocal love of God mm -hmm. on our end. Uh, there's also maybe this acknowledgement or understanding or leaning into that he has a purpose that he's called him to. Uh, so living into that. And yeah. then how, do we, how do we see this dynamic um, happening? We had a couple of, a couple of about that. I heard a story going on over here somewhere. Was that uh, you? <laughs> that that uh, adjusting, reframing our, our work or our life, living for Him, has this result of uh, even I think the way you said it was uh, actually enjoying yes. uh, enjoying life and the work. Yeah. And then also, kind of this uh, not coincidence, but God incidents. Yeah, there you go. So that's we call them. <laughs> that when you will will live according to His purpose, you look different. Yeah. And that opens up fields of opportunity <clears throat> and conversation that, that maybe others around you yeah. never seen. Yeah. So a question is that that always get asked is, and the reason there is this class and this book coming out is, well, how do I know if I'm living according to His purpose? And if it was hard to find, it wouldn't be fair, right? And I have found that God's purposes for your life are along the path of his charisma gift in your life. Because he wants you to, your gifting is sort of like your advantage in any situation that, that needs that gifting. And so if you follow that gifting, and then you will, you will run into the ministry opportunities Jesus has set up for you. You can't miss them. You have to try to, because Jesus said, I, 
I have works prepared for you from before the foundation of the world for you to walk in. So I take my gifting and I understand kind of how I made. I start to look at the things that seem prepared for me and somewhere along the way I go, things are happening. God's causing, I must be in the middle of God's will or somewhere near the middle, you know? And, and so it's not this thing where you figure it out and you go do it. It's a thing where you begin to do what you know to do with these principles in mind. What is my gifting? And what are the things it seems like Jesus has prepared for me? I'll start there, see what happens, right? And there's all kinds of do-overs. Okay, group two. Well, this was the familiar scripture about not worrying about eating or eat or drink. But we were sharing that there were times that even when that was the case, people trusted God with stay first God, then those needs are, are fulfilled. You know, uh, she shared, she shared who was hungry, had no money, but she was very focused and trusted God to provide needs. Yes, that did happen, and um, there was really no need to worry if we were focused on Him. Um, there can be situations where we are um, in an uncomfortable, maybe unethical situation, and pray for some kind of understanding about how to deal with that mm -hmm. new job or whatever, then God provides mm -hmm. So what is my role or responsibility here? To seek Him. Right, what does it say? Seek first what? Kingdom of God. His kingdom and? His righteousness. Two things. Yeah. So I'm seeking two things, right? What is His kingdom yeah. and what is His righteousness? Right, unrighteous men try to take the kingdom by force. Mm -hmm. Righteous men don't know they have authority to take, to seek the kingdom, to be rulers in his kingdom. So it's two things. I'm seeking his kingdom, not mine. Mm -hmm. His righteousness, not mine. Mm -hmm. Both are a gift to me. Yeah. Right. To uh, right. Yeah. And then, and then what's God's promise at the end? Yeah, I, I'm, I'll, if you take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. Right. It's like a trade. You seek first my kingdom, not your career. I'm not saying don't, it says first, not only, right? Seek first, not only. In other words, as a priority. We moved to Nashville with no job, no friends, and no money. But we knew God was calling us to come to Nashville. And that verse was like, Overdone. <laughs> it's like, you got to stop. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, I, I walk into a, a company trying to interview for an engineering job, no appointment. The guy says, oh, I got five minutes. And I hand him my resume and he goes, just been two other guys come sit. I realize those were the other two partners. And he goes, well, your timing is amazing. And I'm like, really? <laughs> and he says, we just got a, now this is 40 years ago, we just got a $2 million project from the city of Nashville whose title matches the title of your master's degree. Would you like to manage the project for us? How much money do you need? I named a number way bigger than I was making. He said, no problem. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> this 
Huh. You know, you always tell your best stories, right? So that, that would be one of my best ones. Okay, group three. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so you think about your life, right? You think about, and that word temptation is the word parasmos, which is temptation, test, or trial. It's it's all just one word. God treats them all the same, and He says, "No temptation, test, or trial has caught up with you." That's not common to man, so it's not like some deep spiritual, deep demonic, deep, deep only me, you know, I'm, no, it's not common to man. And God is faithful, and what? He puts limits on Satan. What happens if this temptation, test, or trial hits you and you overcome it? What happens to you? You're stronger, right? You're, you've been tested. More resilient. More resilient. Satan goes... Damn it. Oh, did I just say damn it? Oh, I, I haven't. 